blessing to have seen that testimony um, materialize. And um, I, we've also seen that happen in other ways in our extended family recently. And I simply want to release to all of you that favor of the Lord. And there are, there are ways that God is bringing breakthrough and positioning to all of us. And we, we, need to, we need to enjoy them. And, you know, Katie was referencing, uh, and I, I'm going to say this as I'm asking you to turn to Acts chapter 10. Um, this past Wednesday evening, I spoke about um, Job and the enemy's, um, the enemy's perspective of who Job was before God, which is clearly said in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. And the, the two things that the enemy detested was, first of all, the fact that Job was partnering with God and he had participated in that, that hedge uh, partnership where Job was obviously standing in the gap. God empowered that hedge and because of that then blessing came. That's the first thing that the enemy detested. And the second was that if the enemy was able to, to successfully attack Job in two specific ways, that Job would stop submitting himself before God, kneeling before God, and, um, and that then uh, there would not be that measure of ongoing promotion. And we summed it up by speaking about what integrity was there in Job, that it was a constancy. It was a, a continual flow from the beginning to the end. It didn't, it didn't vary. It didn't dissipate. It didn't, it didn't alter. But who Job was before God in that covenant before God was unyielding. It was the same, no matter what was going on. In fact, Job's wife even echoed what Satan was saying. Why don't you just stop kneeling before God, and how long are you going to allow your integrity to be unaltered? And that, that was the main issue. And I, I, I speak over each of you, especially those of you who, who have been standing so faithfully in the face of opposition don't let the enemy win. You are you are you are on uh, you are on the pedestal of partnership with God, and um, there's so much happening in the world right now that it's it what you do is imperative. So I release blessing and encouragement to all of you. And it was so great to be able to meet with a great number of the leaders uh, in France and Western Europe yesterday in Belgium and Luxembourg. Uh, I knew they were, they were praying there and uh, in Switzerland. Uh, I am so grateful to see that our saints are standing faithfully there. This past week, you, you won't be able to hear this because I don't really know how to tell you to get to the Facebook page that Yawali has created. <laughs> but Pastor uh, Luciano's wife, Anna, uh, translated for me, interpreted for me, 
uh, as we spoke the, the Brazilian message, and she just did a tremendous, tremendous job. And we're so proud of what God is doing there in that church. They're meeting again. They are, they are beginning to move forward, in, even in the midst of the chaos that, that is uh, so evident in that nation right now. But everybody just needs to be faithful to where God has called you. Everybody needs to continue to trust that you are in the plan of God. And the story with Job was, yeah, he went through some really rough times, but at the end of all things, he was so much better off than he was at the beginning. And that's not our motive. Our motive is to partner. Our motive is to be faithful. But what God does is he rewards that. That's not our motive. Our motive is walking with him. And, and that's, that's our reward. But tangibly in the natural, there was, a, there was an outpouring upon, upon Job. And that's your promise as well. You know, I didn't intend to say this. I truly do have a message to, to bring here. But I was walking through here early this morning. And uh, I, it, was, it, it was a really strange thing because I could feel the presence of the Lord. And all of a sudden, I, I, heard, in, I heard behind me say, what good has any of this been? And I... And it was so strange because it was, it was sometimes angels will ask a question. And you see that in the scripture. How many times in the scripture do angels ask questions? Even Jesus begins by asking questions. And, and it's, it's to stir up something within you. But I knew that this wasn't an angel that was speaking. It, yeah, it may have been a, it's undoubtedly a fallen angel that was speaking. And you say, how does that happen in the house of God? Well, come on, how did it happen at the Last Supper? How, you know, I, I remember over the years how many times I would be up here speaking, you know, and you, you'd hear Jesus knew their thoughts, and I could hear the enemy talking to people. So I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just saying that these things are active in the Word of God, and, and if you're not careful, you will miss the enemy trying to, to confuse you, and you'll just think that it's God or, or just common sense speaking. And I stood there, and I thought, yeah, this did, really did stir something in me, that, that statement, just that brief statement. And, um, and I, I just began to, to go back over the things that you and I have walked through. And, and, and you know, there was that tinge of thinking, well, what good has it been? What, what has it really done? But then as I continued to give thanks to the Lord for the ways that throughout it's like that old Andre Crouch song, Through It All, I've Learned to Trust in Jesus. Uh, it was just a, a stepping stone of stepping stone of praise to the Lord for the, for the things that he's done. And um, so just, just trust God. It's so important for you and for the work of the kingdom that you remain faithful because there is promotion. There is new placement, and, and I've, noticed, I've noticed this, and we're going to talk about this here in, in Acts chapter 10, but leading up to Acts 10, you have a lot of really peculiar things that happen. 
Sometimes we don't look at this chronologically because we just pluck one story out of the Bible or, or one passage. And um, we don't look at, the, at the, the flow pattern. But you had Jesus speaking to the disciples, and then you had him ascending, and you had, you had the command and the urgency of the angels for them to go and to offer supplication and to wait before God for Pentecost, which is, this is what this day is now, isn't it? Pentecost weekend. And then you had the outpouring, and then you had growth, and you had persecution, and you had growth again, you had a shaking, you had impartations of the Spirit, and then, you know, you have, uh, you have disagreements that arise. The Hebrew against the Grecians, and the Grecians against the Hebrews for the poor widow women. And you had then seven being appointed, and then not too long after you had seven be appointed, Stephen gets stoned, and uh, Saul is standing there holding the coats, watching it. And then not long after that, you have, uh, you know, I, I'm not going point by point, but you have the episode with, with Paul, uh, Saul being uh, blinded, and, and Ananias going there. You had Philip going forth into Samaria, and, and you had uh, the visitation there and the confrontation with Simon. And you have Peter, uh, who worked some incredible miracles, um, uh, just, just incredible things, uh, physical miracles. And then you have him up on the roof of Simon the Tanner, and you have a vision from God, and you, uh, you have uh, the commissioning to go with the servants that will lead you to a guy named Cornelius' house, and this is where we are right now. And I'm thinking, how many of those things were personal encounters? Just God coming to people, or God dealing with interpersonal scenarios, and you know, we, we, have, we have, by virtue of our calling and the release of the, the efficacy of diversities of tongues um, and the interpretive process of that, we focused a lot on, on that. But with that, we, we tend to think from our genre of, of understanding that, I'm just saying generally, before God can do anything, we've got to get mobilized and we've got to pray together and we've got to get things stirred and welcome the stirring of the Spirit and then God can do something. And that is a way that God moves. But in this book of Acts, I find individuals just being ready and God coming upon them. There's not a lot of fall or all or any kind of spiritual activity that then sets the stage for this to happen. I mean... You know, Philip hears a voice, go out this way, and psh, there it is. And, you know, you've got Peter on the roof, and there's this vision that comes. And then through that, a whole household of people are, are touched. But even what we're going to read here, we, we have Peter giving a brief summation, just a brief summation of what they had been through as disciples and what Jesus did. And he hasn't even given any illustrations or brought it home so that people could feel touched in their hearts. And suddenly the Spirit just falls and, and all these people are speaking in tongues. 
I mean, I think what I'm saying with this is the message of the book of Acts is you pray and you be ready, but you can't predict what God's going to do, and you better be sensitive because it could happen to an individual. It can happen in a meeting. It can just occur, and that's what we need. We need to believe for the suddenly of the Lord because that's the way he moves. And it's not, it's not, a, uh, it's not a recipe. You do this, you do this, you do this, and then it'll happen. It's, it's the suddenly of the Lord. And I think to the major ways that God has transitioned this body and the saints' network, it's been those kinds of suddenlies, just things that we were not in any way we were expecting, yeah, but we didn't, we didn't think, well, if I do this and I do this, this door will open. It's just, how did that happen? This is God. And so, and we are finally, we are going to read this passage, but the issue with Job was, I'm just faithful. I've got to be faithful no matter what's going on. And I'm, I'm going to trust God, though he slays me, yet I trust him. My integrity is of who I am and, and what I am called to be before God and what he is in me is going to remain constant. I'm not going to let anything cause that to go away. And through that, God brings the promotion. And the issue with the enemy is that he wants us at that point of Barak, that point of promotion, to turn against God or to doubt God or to complain to God. But Job said, I'm going to keep on positioning myself this way because this is what God does. So it's the suddenly, it's the, um, the unexpected that is expected. That is the way God moves, and it's what he is going to use as a hallmark as we go forward into this next season. So here is Peter. He's, he's come to the home of Cornelius, and God pretty much had to force him to go there. If you, if you don't believe that, reread the story. Arise, Peter, slay, and eat. I mean, read that. It doesn't say it, well, Peter didn't want to go, but God just insisted. Now, this was something that, that is very clear. And so Peter shows up, and he begins to speak in, in Acts chapter 10. And he, um, I, I, think, I think it's interesting because Peter opens his mouth, verse 34, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. In every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted by God. And then it says, uh, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, that's Logos, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, Rhema, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And then... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
We're going to talk about that verse, but let's just close this, this context out. We are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the, that land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick of the dead. And dead. to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. And then look at this. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Isn't that interesting? Peter's just giving this to, to, to me, this wonderful story. Now, but in, in all honesty, there wasn't, he, he, he wasn't really preaching a stem winder here. He did nothing to really elicit this kind of a falling other than to just be faithful where God had called him to go and to just say these things. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm trying to get this point to you. We need to trust in the suddenly of God. I can guarantee you that if I went down the street to any church and I just read or, or memorized and quoted what Peter said here, I would not have people jumping in the aisles. Nobody would be going, wow! That woke some of you up. But yet the Spirit fell. That's what we need. That's what we need. The same thing happened when Philip went at the direction of the Spirit just a few chapters earlier, and of course in Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost. And this is just the way God moves. And we, we've almost been put in a position for that to be in place. Because really, you know, there are a lot of other places here in town where people would just love to go because they got this thing and they've got that thing and they've got this thing. We, we see this in other nations when, when we are led by the Lord to go and we're invited and we see scads of hungry people that are wanting what God has given. But in this, the uniqueness of this environment, this really unusual um, cornerstone place. And I was so blessed this morning, we were talking about teaching and Trisha's teaching in, in the Sunday School Wisdom Seekers class and that, that issue of how the, the teaching, the water of teaching comes from and magnifies the cornerstone in so many ways there's, there's nothing marvelous about a cornerstone. It can be rejected. But it's the building that people like. But the cornerstone is the essence of the water. And um, I think we, we need to be ready to believe. Maybe this is just a prophecy. 
we need to be ready to believe for these suddenly visitations. Because I can guarantee you, you cannot make them happen. You cannot force them to happen. That's what the latter rain movement got in trouble with. Because God would do a legitimate thing, and then the ne when next place you picked up, move your tent to, man, you better have another thing like that. God just doesn't move that way. So we had to stir things up and help, help God out a bit. Read the, read the stories of it. I'm, what I'm telling you is true. I've even had ministers that have come and ministered in this place and said, you know, it would really help if, if, to, to get the people to receive uh, the, the ministry if you would really be enthusiastic about it. <laughs> what are you telling me for? I booked you here, and I'm not going to say who those people were, but that, that's true. The, the thing, though, is, is that God looks at your your faithfulness and your willingness to go where he says to go. And I have to tell you that it wasn't very much earlier than this that Peter was being beat. <laughs> so it's not like he had a big entourage in a, in a television ministry and he had the people sending in for his gift of the month. I mean, he was, he was just obedient. He didn't want to go to this place. He was up on a roof and he probably smelled like he'd been above a tanner. And there he went to Romans, to a, a decorated soldier's house. And in that, there was a, an environment that God had created, and that's what you want. Listen, I've been called to minister to places where the people just were just really, I even wondered, Lord, why did you, why am I here? I remember hearing or reading Jack Deere. He wrote in his book one time he was called to minister at a place, and uh, he was he was sitting up on the platform and he was watching what was going on, and he was really as preachers would, being trying to be sensitive about what what he was actually supposed to be doing, and and he looked out over the place and suddenly he thought he he thought. I don't know what is going on here, and I really don't know why I'm there. And he said, he prayed. He said, God, what are you doing here? And he felt God, this is Jack Deere saying, he felt God say, nothing. Don't you try to start anything. <laughs> and I think sometimes we, 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 just, we just don't recognize how many, many times in the Word of God what God does is, is unexpected. It is a suddenly. And that is certainly the case here. The suddenly of God. And I believe that moment is coming. I remember many years ago um, a recurrent vision that God showed me even before, even before God touched us so mightily in 1996. I would see a, the manifestation of a cloud moving through this place. And then at other times, I would see that cloud turn into a river. And I would just see people um, who were impacted by that as it moved through. And I would feel God say every time he showed me that, this is the way I'm going to move. This is the way I'm going to move. It's not going to be because of anything necessarily that you orchestrate or is being orchestrated from the pulpit. I'm going to move this way, and people are going to know that it's me. We need that. 
gosh, does the church need that. Uh, the, 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 the glorification of men or women is, is not what God's about. The faithfulness of people is what God's about. And being at the place God calls you to be, when he calls you to be there, go, here am I, send me. That's what God's about. And we have to believe for this kind of visitation. Now, we come back to what I advertised this message was supposed to be from Acts 10, 38. And as I read this, I'm sorry, every time I read this verse I, or quote this verse, I can, I can hear Kenneth Hagin preaching it. I mean, this was one of his signature verses, and he would just, he would just, with that Oklahoma accent, he'd just fire this out. How God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, and off he'd go, and I can hear that. But this really talks from Peter's perspective of how Jesus ministered. And, and I think that we need to see this, I mean, really see it. How did God the Father anoint Jesus? And what was it that happened because of that anointing? God anointed Jesus, Creo. He put the oil on him. He rubbed it on. He, and, and that anointing of submission to God, because that's what an anointing oil represents. Submission to God and you being pressed and willing to do what he wants to where your life then becomes, as uh, Zechariah said, that vessel of oil. The, the, the two sons of, of the anointing oil that stand bef between, on either side of, of the candlestick in heaven. Um, Jesus became that. And with the Holy Ghost and power. Number one, the Holy Ghost, the saintly wind, that we are fulfilling what God ordained from the very beginning. The saint, the holy, the hagias, that we are devoted to what God wanted from the very beginning of all things, and, and that that then would be remembered and insisted upon and interceded into a measure of fulfillment in the timing of God. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Power, dunamis, that function, that vitality, that life. But we have to remember in the flow pattern of the power words of God, that dunamis comes only because somebody has been commissioned from the throne and operating under a measure of authority, which Jesus obviously was. Now, how this anointing uh, has its immediate effect is what comes next. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So he went about doing good. And we talked a few weeks ago, many, well, maybe a couple months ago, about the root word of this, ergon, which, which means how things are supposed to function. If something is ergonomically correct, it is, it is uh, how things should function. You know, if you have a piece of furniture that's ergonomically correct, and you've bought this, and man, it's, it sure is great to sit in this. It helps me to do this. It doesn't make my back hurt. It does all this stuff. And 
uh, the, the word here, the root word of this, doing good, meant that wherever Jesus was, he was bringing solutions to people. He was saying words about how they should be living their life and, and what they should get rid of and what they should stop doing so that they could really fulfill what God wanted. And that, that he could speak into scenarios or depict the right way that things should be done. So the first thing Jesus did in this anointing was go about doing good. Well, that doesn't, well, that's great. This is what Jesus did, but boy, there's nothing explosive about that. You know, but it's life-changing. It's invigorating. It brings about, because if you're going to believe for what God wanted from the beginning, then you've got to touch people in a way that liberates them into being what God created them to be. And a lot of times that means, okay, you need to be doing this and you need to stop doing this. You need to remove these shackles that keep you from being what you are. You've built your life on doing these things like the rich young ruler, but now you just need to get rid of all them so you can function as he made you to be. Jesus went about doing good. It doesn't say Jesus went about holding crusades. It doesn't say Jesus went about doing... Uh, uh, standing on a mountaintop and throwing lightning bolts. or you know, We would think, man, if the Son of God's coming, he's going to do something like that. Well, those kinds of things, not the throwing lightning bolts, but those kinds of things happened regularly, but they were in, in places that were deliberately, by the divine plan, out away from people. In fact, if he did a work, like if he came up to a guy that was laying by the pool of Bethesda, he'd say, okay, take up your bed and go. I mean, those kinds of things happened. But Jesus was not about the, uh, the fanfare. Even what Peter said and what we read here. He rose from the dead after they hang him from the tree. But what does it say? Verse 41 God showed him openly, not to all the people. Did you ever wonder why Jesus didn't parade back into the temple where, and say, you know, you want to see how this, uh, you want to see how this veil was rent from the top to the bottom? I mean, if it was me, if he'd asked me, I thought, hey, that'd be a great thing. Jesus has risen. Go show yourself to these Sanhedrin and all these wise actors that that tried to do, uh, uh, you know, do you in. But that's not what God did. But to chosen people, even to us, chosen people. And we ate and drank with him. Wow. Wow. Seems like a missed moment to me. But that's what God does. So Jesus and this anointing to fulfill what the Father's purpose was from the beginning and... Um, to, to move in function, he went about trying to set things into order. And that took shape in a number of different ways. But what about this next one? Healing, Iome, bringing a remedy to all those who were oppressed of the devil. God, we need this in our nation today. This word for, uh, translated as devil really means um, someone who, who casts things, who throws things, diabolos, to 
to separate people, to bring the accuser is here, that they, they would accuse, um, accuse somebody, through hurl accusations. Uh, but, but the goal of this word in all of its usages was to separate and to bring division. And um, so the, the, this, is, this is the manifestation. It's, it's not Satan in this. It's not mentioned as Satan. It speaks of that characteristic of divisiveness and separation. So those that were oppressed by that, this is kind of an interesting word because it, it means it's at its root is dunamis, but it means either an army or a political leader or uh, a faction that comes and restricts your ability to move in your dunamis and usurps that capacity for its own ends, like a dictator would. And suddenly their dunamis is going to be known regardless of what your calling is. And that's what the enemy does. He tries to find a way to stop your flow while encouraging what flow he wants to have happen. That's what oppress means. It's not just, you know, you having the temptation to go out honky-tonking on Saturday night. You know, I'm just oppressed, brother. Pray for me. The devil's just oppressing me. I remember the old-timey uh, truism. Well, it wasn't really a truism. You know, how does Satan move with people? He oppresses, he possesses, and he influences. And, you know, we would say that, you know, like we had, we had cornered the market on truth. But for me, when I'd hear that, you know, if somebody was possessed, that means they're, you know, we would think uh, they... Uh, they're, they're just writhing on the floor or whatever. Believe me, I've seen a lot of people that I know were possessed who were wearing a three-piece suit. <laughs> so, you know, the enemy can control people. But oppress, you'd think that it'd be somebody who was tempted by things or is just beaten down or whatever. And that may be true. But the essence of this word is all about power. It's all about dunamis, keeping you from functioning and manifesting whatever it is that you have to support another aim. And this word was used throughout the Greek, uh, the Greek kingdoms to speak about military, was to speak about specific sects of schooling, to where people would come and yield what their power was to enforce another power. And that's what the enemy's doing. Look at this, oppressed of the one who brings the division. Oppressed in this way of the one who slanders and accuses. Oppressed uh, of, of, of someone that would try to bring a measure of strife and then that generates uh, every evil work. We see that today. There are agendas around the world and people um, are being influenced to, to not like this or not like that. And it's not, it's not just the equity equality thing. I mean, I could mention things that are hot button issues around the world right now. You know, we used to 
we used to, as Texans, you know, we all hear, remember the Alamo. You know, that was the battle cry. Remember the Alamo. Yeah! Everybody's shooting their guns. Or back at the, before the, around the turn of the century, remember the Maine. Who can forget it? I mean, that was a, that was a battle cry. And, um, you know, if, if you say anything today on the internet, if you just float out an opinion one way or another about vaccination, you better bar the door and hide yourself from incoming because th there is no middle ground on that one. And I'm not taking a side one way or another. Everybody do, do what's right before the Lord it, as, as you feel directed. But you mentioned that, and boy, you better have your arguments, and the swords are ready to fly, and, you know, it, it brings division. The enemy has, there are a lot of those hot-button issues. And it's not just about race. It's about lots of other things. And um, the enemy is really stirring up this measure, and there's an agenda in it. See, there, we as Pneumatikos people need to see, if we possibly can, the, the tactic, but not just look at the tactic. Don't just be snipping parts of the branches that are hitting up against the window of your house. What's the root of this thing? What is the enemy really trying to accomplish in the big picture. And I can tell you, um, all of these factors that are demonic factors are really fueling something else. And it's not just the march to the end time. There's some other factor that the enemy thinks he's going to release, and these things are just fueling it. Um, so Jesus brings healing, remedy, so he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and dunamis. And he comes against this enemy antagonism, accusation, separation, suspicion. But the goal of the enemy is to control the dunamis and to use your ability to function or a nation's ability to function for a nefarious end. And then that fuels him. We've said this all along in, in regard to spiritual warfare. The enemy is cut off from the throne of God, as opposed to righteous angels who receive directives from God and fresh uh, impartations of anointings and empowerments. The enemy doesn't have any of that capacity. So he simply tries to it's like the southern army in, in, in the end days of the Confederacy. They had to maneuver what resources they had. And through trickery or through some measure of, of deception uh, and to strike where they weren't expected. The enemy does this. And just about the only source of supply that he really has is by trying to get people to yield themselves to him. And if he can find somebody that's received some fresher measure of visitation from God, somehow he's able to manipulate that and use it to some degree for his advantage. You can see that happen. You, you, can, you can see that in the spirit realm many times. And so the enemy tries to manipulate. He's an oppressor, the dunamis. That's what this scripture says. Now, why would Peter, when he has this sermon, speaking at a Gentile leader, military leader's house, why would he 
choose these words to describe what Jesus did. You know, he, he might have gone down the pathway. He, talks, he, he is going to talk about being crucified and resurrected, but he doesn't mention any of the miraculous healings. He doesn't, he doesn't try to impress with testimonies, which he might have done. He doesn't even mention, at this point, the unusual vision he just had and the angels that told him to do what he's doing. That one, that one might have been a good opening. I mean, if, you know, if I was going to speak at a, in, a, in a nation and God had given me a vision and an angel arose and told me to come, that might be something that I chose to say right at the beginning. You know, before I begin this message today, I just want to tell you that this is a God moment. He's arranged it. Before we came, I had a vision, and it was, it was uh, two or three prophets had seen it too, and an angel said, go. I would have started with that. Ah. Uh, well. <sighs> so he's describing Jesus. And to me, I'm saying this, God was with him. That's the way it ends. And he brings a healing, eomai, not a therapeuo, an eomai, a remedy. I'm saying to the Lord, let us move, Father, in that same anointing. Let us be the sons that can go and show people how God, through his word, really wants them to be functioning. And if there are things that are being done or pursued that are really blocking your ability to flow, or God forbid, your giftings and power are fueling something else, let us be able to minister a remedy here. And may through all of that, we be drawn to the Father to fulfill his function, his eternal function, and may the dunamis power really begin to flow. May function flow. You know, I, I can just compare this. I mean, if, if I saw the, the fire and the power of God touch somebody and they become healed... That's a great thing. But to me, to me, a greater miracle is to see somebody begin to function in that power of sonship and really be before the Father as a representative of the kingdom. To me, that is an eternal demonstration of dunamis. And that's the one I'd prefer. That's the ones that's lasting. This one over here is great. But in 50 years, nobody's going to remember that. That person's going to be in the grave. This one is going to be functioning in heaven. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's Peter's summation. That's the rock's summation. That's the one who has to be converted first and bring the brethren in. That's, that's his testimony. That's his description of Jesus. 
So I think it must be a pretty important description, don't you? I mean, this man walked with Jesus. His life was uh, amazingly changed by that. Can you imagine the things Peter experienced and saw and heard? I mean, he could have, he could have been like an artesian well of story after story after story after story after story. But in all of that, his one moment of describing who Jesus was. Yes, then he goes on to talk about him hanging on a tree and being raised again, which made it all worthwhile. Praise be to God. But his description of how Jesus ministered is this. I just think that's amazing. And it must be so important. And I say, God, I believe you have given us an anointing for this type of thing. But let it even be more so. Because this is if this is what, how you anointed your firstborn, how much more do we need this anointing? And how much more do we need to be doing this? Go about doing good. Go about. Here he is. Here he is. No, he's over here. He's just making things right one person at a time a thousand at a time well too many people here going up on the mountain somebody comes to me by night i speak another thing those suddenlies that's what jesus did healing all that were oppressed of the one who brings division and schism that's amazing because god was with him we need this anointing because it's a sonship anointing. And it's not in the eyes of men and women flashy. You know, it's come, oh, you better go over here. I mean, it's people lined up the door, out the door to get in. You know, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What about doing good? <laughs> Think of that. And this is coming from Peter, the bombastic one. The one who, man, let's, let's get there first with the most. Let's, Peter was more demonstrative. I think that's a fair thing to say. He wasn't quite a zealot, but he wasn't, he wasn't messing around. What about doing good? That almost sounds too simple, doesn't it? Here's the Son of God. He's come. There he is. The grave was opened. In fact, we saw him ascend into heaven. Well, tell us about him. Well, God anointed him. He went about doing good. Hmm. Put that on the crusade bulletin board. Come to the meeting tonight. We're going to do good. Really? Oh, we want to see crutches on the wall. We want to see these things. Stir us up. And those things are great. But how did God anoint Jesus? The essence was to bring things into alignment with how they're supposed to function because that's what this word means. It is. 
And then those that are yielding their function to a system or to a demonic agenda that sets at odds one against another. Boy, you see the enemy moving in Israel and the Gaza Strip recently? You see that? You want to talk about hurling things? How about over 4,000 <clears throat> Scud rockets? That's a, that's a pretty big hurl, isn't it? And, you know, then the, the ceasefire comes and you've got this parade. Suddenly the leader of Hamas, which means violence, that's a good name for a movement, isn't it? What should we call ourselves? Violence. Great. That's a good one. Everybody will give to that. So you've got him emerging from wherever he's been hiding and having a big parade. And, you know, I, I just, the enemy is trying to stir up division. And there's an agenda. But we bring the measure of EMI. Remedy. Because God is with us. It's interesting. I mean, I don't, maybe I'm making too much of this. I don't see how I possibly could. <laughs> but that, that, that one, uh, that, that descriptive, you know, tell us about Jesus, Peter. Okay. Let's see, what story should I tell? Feeding of the, the thousands. No, I don't think I'll tell that one. How about uh, raising Lazarus from the dead? Nah, you know, that's a good story, though. I'll tell them that one later. Uh, let's see, what else? I, hey, what about that time we heard the voice coming from heaven? What about that time when Peter, when Stephen was killed just not too long ago, and the heavens opened, and there was Jesus at the right? I could tell them that one. They'll think great of that. Oh, he's just rolling through the Rolodex of things that he had seen. Let me tell him about the time Thomas put his finger through his, the hole in his hand. Man, that was, that was, I still remember that. It's blazoned in my head. And I remind Thomas of it every time I can think of seeing him. No, tell us about Jesus. Well, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and dunamis. And he just went around doing good. And where the enemy was bringing dysfunction, he brought remedies to that. Wow. God was with him. So now you've got Jesus doing it, and God who's with him, they're doing it. And the Spirit is doing it. This is the agenda. Boy. If I was teaching in a seminary and I had a class on how to do good, there'd probably be two people that signed up. How to raise the dead? They'd have to add a second class. But when God anointed Jesus, he anointed him in this way, and all of those other things happened as a result of this. And they were suddenlies. So I say this. Let's keep on being sons, moving in the power of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit and moving in the power of function, the things God has said we're supposed to function in, just like Job, in integrity, let's keep being that. Let's keep doing that. Let's stand in the gap and let's hold our ground. No matter what's happening, let's continue to be on our face before God and kneel before Him. Let's function. Let's bring function for our Father. 
And let's teach other people to do that. And let's show them how they need to abandon the other things that they're doing, which is really either supplying themselves temporally or the enemy, and let's give them a remedy. Let's show them how to do that too, because God is with us. That's what God wants. Through a, a thousand years from now, that's what God wants. 10,000 years from now. We'll just be started, the old hymn says. But that is what we'll still be doing. And that's the anointing. And through that, then, the suddenlies come. But they're chosen by God. They're chosen. Even the things that we've seen to this point. Who was expecting what happened on Pentecost? I don't think any of them were. Maybe there was a prosuke about it. Peter stood up and said, this is that. So obviously God had been saying something through that supplication. Who would have expected the, the healing of the man at the, at the gate? That dude had been there for decades. How many times had Jesus passed by him and at the gate beautiful? He had sat there all that time, unless Jesus went through a side entrance, which I don't think happened. Come on, Jesus, you go through the VIP entrance. Come on through here. This is for people who do good. No, he went there. But then Peter and John saw that, and that guy, there he was, healed. I mean, think about that. I mean, who, who would have expected that as Saul was riding on the, the straight road that a bright light would come and he'd be knocked from his, from his horse? Who would have thought that? Who expected that? I mean, this guy was just most notably at the, at the assassination of one of the men full of faith and power. Who would have thought God would do a thing like that? This is what God does. Peter, you know, why he, was, why he was staying with Simon the Tanner? I guess the Motel 6 must have been under quarantine. I don't know. But he's up there on the roof, staying six feet apart. And there's God. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I just think we should expect the suddenlies. How do we prepare for them? Let's just keep being what God wanted us to be. Well, how do we know that? We've got, to, we've got to plan, and we've got to put the structure together. We've got to have an agenda. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. Now, how about just being with God and being faithful and functioning? How about that? Can we function? Do you realize that your function as a son is one of the greatest demonstrations of dunamis the eternity will ever know? I don't think we realize that. We, we, are, we are good people, but so often we're so temporally minded. We got that Missouri thing going. Seeing is believing. And then sometimes you got to really push us to believe. That's just for certain parts of Missouri. Uh, but, you know, the thing is that I, I, for whatever reason, the Spirit has just just really um, emphasized this over the past two days, that one verse, and then to walk in here this morning and feel the presence of the Lord and hear that voice say, what, what good has this really been? What have you really accomplished? Well, I think that's still what the enemy thinks about what you do for our Father. We need the suddenly because that's the way God moves. 
and you can't predict it. You just got to be faithful and obey. And so I release a word of encouragement to all of you today that you continue to function in what God has called you to be. Um, you know, we have a really unique mission. I wish I could just gather you all up and sit you just for a moment in one of these places where God is stirring the hunger. It, it, it's amazing. It, it's just amazing. But I speak an encouragement, a word of encouragement, and I ask that God would release a double portion of this anointing that we can serve in this hour in the way God would want us to serve as sons. And may we, may we be those that do good, bring about the way things should be in every measure. Now, it may not be accepted by some like the rich young ruler who went away sad. But that's what our task is. And this business about the enemy oppressing, um, I don't know. I think maybe this anointing that we're talking about today, uh, we're going we're gonna to need a double portion of that for that second part to really make an impact uh, as intercessors in this world. I mean, I can see places where the enemy has really stoked things and the power of God coming in a suddenly and touching that community or that city or that people group in a way that no one expected, which is exactly what God has promised he's going to do in these times at the end. Where the, where the visitation of the Spirit, I remember uh, Ruth Heflin, um, she, she saw that and many others saw that. I think Branham had a vision of the end time and a couple of others that, that I remember hearing about how the power of God would just come upon a neighborhood and people would be overwhelmed and begin to cry out to God. That's what happened during the Welch revival. I remember just as a teenager, uh, I was blessed to be able to go with my pastor and a singing group I was in into the United Kingdom. And um, at one of the places we went, because he was from Wales, we, we stayed and we stayed in Wales for a few days and ministered at churches. And I stayed in the home of people uh, that um, I couldn't understand half of what they were saying. I, it, it, they would speak this goofy Welsh brogue, and it really did sound goofy. I bless them, but it just, it just sounded weird to me. I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand people in Scotland either. I, I just couldn't. And... Um, but I should have had the stewards lay hands on me before I went over there because I didn't know them yet. But, um, but there was an old man, the old great-grandfather, who was in that house, and he had been part of that Welsh revival. And I could understand him. He spoke really good English. And he would say, Oh, we would be walking down the street. And we would say, have you received the Holy Ghost? 
and the power of God would fall upon that store and those people, and they would go out in the Spirit. He would tell those kinds of things. And that's what characterized, that's what characterized that visitation. It was not man-made. It was not, it was not hyped up. That's what we need, and that's what God wants to do. So the whole story of the book of Acts leading to this point is filled with those kinds of suddenlies, unexpected visitations, ways that God moved that no one, no one could have anticipated. And then this description of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and bringing remedy to those that were under the thumb of the enemy's dunamis agenda. Healing them all. Bringing about a solution to the way the enemy had used friction an accusation because God was with him. Wow. The more I read this, the more I quote this, the more I see the day we're living in. Have you wondered, God, is there a solution to this? It doesn't seem to be getting, in fact, it's, you know, it's like the, it's like the, the, the woman with the issue of blood who didn't get any better but rather grew worse. And you think, Lord, what next type of friction can come? I mean, what, you know, I was grateful to see that the National Guard has put out the order that the troops are finally going to leave our capital. Who would have thought that for months anybody looking at our capital would just see armed troops everywhere? I mean, that's a pretty big picture of division, isn't it? Whether it's real or imagined. But everywhere. I mean, you see, you read yesterday about the attacks that are going on around our country where people who are wearing Palestinian flags are just openly attacking and stabbing Jewish people across this United States of America. I was reading a, a, a young boy that was a crippled boy, a crippled Jewish boy, just was beaten up, just brutally beaten up. Why? What was his crime? Being a Jew. Who would have thought that? Is this Kristallnacht? Is this, is this 1930s Germany? Or is this the good old USA? How is that happening? It's this enemy. It's this one who is an accuser, who is a divider. You know, a lot's been made of the accuser, like he stands up in courtrooms in heaven. Well, this is a divider. He's not anywhere near a courtroom unless uh, abortion's being discussed. But he brings division, and we are seeing that everywhere. What we need is the anointing from God to see powerful touches of the Spirit that doesn't just wipe it all away, but changes this group and changes that place. 
And that's how people will see the Father and the good work, the good works, and glorify Him. So let's expect this. But while we're expecting it, let's just be what we're called to be as saints. Let's be intercessors. Let's be faithful ones. Let's function in our dunamis. God is with us. God is with you. Yeah? We could focus on the bad works, and we could focus on the divisions, and we could focus on the mouthpieces of the divisions, and the focus of how the divisions came. We need to be knowledgeable of that, but if we just focus on what the anointing has given us, and be ready, and intercede, that will do the work that we're sent here to do. Well, seems like I've been all over the map today, but the point is that I, I do welcome this same anointing that our precious elder brother, our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Saints, we want His anointing. Send it. Well, I think we've already been functioning in it, but we need a double portion for the day that we're coming into, or an enhance, or an unlocking of dimensions of that anointing that have not been in God's timing uh, required until today. But be encouraged. Be encouraged. Don't give up. God is with you. And only He has the answer. And gross darkness upon the people, darkness upon the earth, the light of God rises when that happens. Father, I thank you today for allowing us as human beings to be able to serve you. You chose this way, uh, so you obviously, being tempted at all points such as we are, know what's uh what the the ramifications of that calling is but i pray that you encourage your saints and i i release a spirit of encouragement to your saints that we would function and that we would expect as intercessors your plan to be manifested it's not by might or by power but it's by your spirit and it's the anointing that breaks the yoke so let that anointing infuse every part of us and let us be what you require us to be and let us expect your suddenly for that's the way you move and let us be able and uh, ready to function within that in a way that is acceptable and pleasing to you bless every outpost of the saints who are joining with us today and I pray that you would provide for everybody what it is that they need right now, whether it's healing, whether it's financial provision or favor or uh, a resolution of issues within their home. Uh, Lord, whatever they need, Father, grant it to them in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here and we look forward to what you're going to be doing throughout this week. Expectantly, we look forward to it. And again, we ask that 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you all for tuning in. And um, may that anointing of the Lord be upon all of us. Amen. God bless you.